Hello, it's the Arts Report for July 11th, 2012. I'm your guest host, Sarah Lapsley. Coming up today, we've got reviews of the Doug Cramner exhibit at the Museum of Anthropology. We'll speak with Rodney Graham about his show, The Canadian Humorist, at the Vancouver Art Gallery. We'll chat about what's coming up at the Folk Festival. And we've got a great interview with David Wisdom. He's the former CBC radio host about his upcoming summer slideshow. So stick around. It's going to be fun. I'm joined by Matt Granlund, the charming host of the Australian Canadian Music Show. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Hi, and welcome. You are listening to CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Arts Report. We're on every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. You can follow us on Twitter at CITR underscore Arts Report, and we're on Facebook as well. So we're streaming live from CITR.ca. Hopefully we're broadcasting from the tower. Also, <laughs> thank you to Megan Thomas. She is the erudite host of the Arts Report. So she's, uh, you know, working behind the scenes, putting together some cool stuff. So she's graciously allowed me to guest host this week. It's a great learning opportunity for me. And also thank you so much, Matt, for helping out. He is spinning the knobs and he'll be talking to me a bit later about what's coming up at the Vancouver Folk Festival. So I've been really fortunate to contribute to the Arts Report for a couple of years now. And I have done some interviews with amazing people like Margaret Trudeau, the wife of the great, late Canadian Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Also, Dr. Robert Thurman. He's a great Buddhist scholar and father of Uma Thurman. I've interviewed best show comedian and rock drummer John Worcester. And also, thanks to Matt here, I got to interview Steve Kilby of the church. So on the Arts Report, we cover all sorts of great events around Vancouver. Dance, music, visual arts, theater. And uh, congratulations to the Arts Report. They received an honorable mention for local talent development at the National Campus and Community Radio Conference in Kingston, Ontario in June. They won an award, too, in 2011. Um, I'm sorry to say I can't remember what it was, but it was a great award and well-deserved. So support CITR 101.1 FM, become a member, be a volunteer, learn how to use the equipment, and soak up the good vibes here on the beautiful UBC campus. And there's lots of great people to hang out with, and that will show you the ropes. I want to give a special thanks to CJ and Tristan, who you just heard from, the tech wizard Brad Winter, Robin, and the station manager Brenda. They have come to my rescue on many occasions when I am panicking um, about problems that I have in the studio. So first up, let's talk about what's on at the Vancouver Art Gallery right now. So Sunday, I went to see Collecting Matisse and the Modern Masters show. So it features works from Matisse, Gauguin, Renoir, Van Gogh, Gustave Courbet, and Picasso. So all of these paintings came from the collection of the Cohn sisters. Um, They were two sisters from a wealthy Jewish family from Baltimore in the late 1800s. Their family business got their wealth. Actually, they were the largest supplier of denim to the Levi Strauss Company at the time. One sister, Clarabelle, became a doctor, and that was quite rare in those days. And her other sister was a spinster who ran the family estate. I think her name was Edda. 
So they led these charmed, privileged lives. They lived together for their whole lives. They traveled abroad, and they developed a passion for collecting. Um, and over their lives, they amassed about 3,000 works, and they really collected people like Matisse and Gauguin as they were coming up. Um, and on their death, they bequeathed this huge collection to the Baltimore Museum of Art. So it's great to see all these masterworks together. So you're like looking at these Picasso drawings and sculptures. Um, I breeze through pretty fast. Sometimes it's like overwhelming when you see these great famous works of art. Um, and like when I went to see the crown jewels, I'm like, oh, here's this like priceless scepter from the 1400s. And you kind of, it's hard to take in. So I did breeze through uh, the Matisse show pretty fast. And in the end, I got kicked out because I was taking notes with pen um, in my notebook. And they're like, you can't write in pen. I was like, oh, so like, because I might stumble and like stab one of these great paintings behind glass with my pen or like right on the wall. They didn't really have an answer. So um, I left, but no, it's a great show. And the uh, Cone sisters also collected exotic fabrics. So they've got these beautiful antique laces. There's some jewelry, so big, like, gem-encrusted necklaces, like diamonds and emeralds and sapphires. Um, that's supplemented by letters and other archival information. They were really fondly thought of by the artists that they collected, particularly Matisse. They had a 40-year correspondence with him. So it's a wonderful show, and the characters of these two ladies really come through. Um, so see these great masterworks while they're here. Um, the one painting that really attracted me um, was by Gustave Coubert, Courbet, and it's called The Shaded Stream at the Puy Noir, which translates as um, the Black Well. And Clarabelle Cohn actually purchased it on the day of her death, which is interesting because it's this really dark painting of a, like a dark green forest. The paint's really thick. And the water, it's this pool of water. It's really murky. There's sort of this entrance to the cave off the side, and it's kind of like deathly, and you just want to float away into the cave. Um, so it's pretty eerie. It was definitely my favorite. Um, so this exhibition provides a rare opportunity to view nearly 50 exceptional works from their stunning collection. On the same floor of the VEG is Rodney Graham's solo show. It's the Canadian humorist. Most of what I've done for the Arts Report is stuff about the visual arts, and my interest in the visual arts really evolved from my long association with Rodney. He was born in Abbotsford in 1949, and he's considered one of the world's top 50 living artists. So his work is really brilliant, kind of an understatement, um, informed by his huge knowledge of literature and art and music. He's just got incredible taste in everything. Um, on the website, they say um, the legacies, predicaments, and vexations of modernism have been central to the work of Vancouver-based artist Rodney Graham since the 70s. Drawing upon sources that range from Pablo Picasso and Sigmund Freud to John Cage and Kurt Cobain, Graham synthesizes formal rigor, melancholy, and humor to produce art that is both captivating and paradoxical. So that about sums it up. Um, Rodney was a seminal, a member of the seminal 70s punk band, the U-Jerks. And he also grew up in sort of the Vancouver school and was taught by like the mega famous artist Jeff Wall and also Ian Wallace. Um, but as they were getting really big, he, he toiled in obscurity at the liquor store until the age of 45. He was like a long-term liquor store employee. 
wasn't sure that he was ever going to go anywhere. But um, he made this continued to persevere at making work, and his film Vexation Island took the 1997 Venice Biennale by storm, and his career just skyrocketed, and it's been thriving ever since. So he works in a number of mediums, mostly films and photography, though he does work with texts, and he does great paintings as well. So he's hugely successful. He shows in galleries all over the world. My cousin, Liz Knox, shout out to you, uh, calls him the Brad Pitt of the art world, and he was featured in the recent documentary about the Vancouver School of Art, and that film is called Picture Start. So Rodney is one of the most um, unpretentious, smart, funny, generous, and interesting people I know, so I'm fortunate to call him a friend, though he was somewhat of a reluctant interview or e with a cold i managed to edit edit out like you know wheezing and coughing and so on the vag show consists of four large light boxes which depict scenes of rodney he's the protagonist in each one there's also two smaller light boxes one of which is called the essence of smoke and if i remember correctly um the essence of smoke was almost purchased by pop artist george michael who sent his boyfriend around to look at it in the british gallery but uh, never went through, so that's too bad. Now you can see it at the VAG instead. Um, so I got to interview Rodney at his home on Monday, and here we discuss the concepts behind three of the light boxes. So if you've never seen a light box, they're huge-scale photographs of incredible definition, and they're built into sort of a steel box, and they're backlit, so they're just stunning. So here's our interview with Rodney Graham. So you looked great as the Canadian humorist, and I just wondered sort of what was the inspiration for that and who you think are the Canadian humorists? I came up with the ideas just as a title for the, for the exhibition, and um, just because I thought it was an interesting title, and then I came up with this idea of, this, of, of doing a, a kind of a light, an, an image of like a, a kind of... Um, I guess a guy, a, a, a comic writer of the late '60s, early '70s, kind of a little bit past his prime, is kind of, kind of just growing his sideburns to kind of keep, to kind of keep up and kind of maintain his kind of level of grooviness. And I was kind of, I guess, I was thinking a little bit of somebody like uh, Pierre Burton or um, um, uh, Eric Nichol, uh, Province columnist of the of that era. Uh, just in, in terms of kind of a, the idea was just to do a kind of Anglo kind of guy, um, kind of kind of just past his peak, you know, in his in his library, kind of a portrait, and um, yeah, it, yeah, it worked out really well. I mean, it's really funny to look at. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of kind of like uh, I mean, the library. There's a lot of books in the library. A lot of Canadiana, like Canadian humor books in, in his library behind him, and then he's he's having like. Uh, kind of tea and cookies it's kind of about this kind of guy in a kind of a just maybe just past his comfort zone in terms of his era is kind of a little bit past he's kind of tied into this old british kind of cultural traditions and in british columbia and kind of like you know was trying to kind of move with the times by kind of growing his hair which is what everybody seemed to do at that that point you know yeah. guys in their 40s and 50s kind of you grow your sideburns and they get kind of super bushy <laughs> so i was thinking you know and I kind of modeled. I guess I was thinking of other people like Isaac Asimov. Our friend uh, John Collins likened it, uh, the character to Isaac Asimov, who had these kind of ridiculous sideburns. 
Yeah, I love the kitschy sort of 60s touches that he's trying to be, I guess, like you said. Well, he's in an old house. He lives in an old house. It's an, and actually shot it in a, in, a, in a really beautiful old Shaughnessy mansion that was probably built in the 20s. It has a kind of a, almost like a mock Tudor study and uh, kind of a beautiful kind of wood-paneled mock Tudor study, but he's kind of updating it with kind of modernist touches. Jacobson chair and, uh, and kind of, you know, a tea, uh, tea trolley and... Uh, and then there's a sort of 70s touch of the kind of granny square tea cozy and the peak Freens cookies, which I actually brought over. I actually got in London. That one, the Marks, not peak Freens, the Marks and Spencer's cookies. Those kind of like. So, anyways, it's, yeah, those are all part of that kind of mise en scene of creating this kind of character who's like, you know, still quite comfortable, you know, but maybe not as fun as he might have been. I think the real masterpiece and one of the works I've seen of yours that's really one of my favorites is the um, artist model. Um, in a studio of an unknown military painter. So that has quite a story behind it, and it's really stunningly uh, beautiful to see. And you are playing an artist model. You're, like, waxy-looking, kind of dressed up in a 18th, 19th century military uniform. Yeah, it's set during, it's, it's kind of, like it has a complex backstory in a sense. It's, it's based on, on, kind of loosely based on, military painters of the of the 1880s um, like uh, Alphonse de Neuville um, for example who did paint who did pictures about the Fran- Franco-Prussian war which was like a, a terrible defeat for France and he kind of turned he kind of kind of turned them into images of, of, of resistance you know I mean it was a war that was not like a, a good war for the French and I was interested in and a lot of artists were involved in it because a lot of artists were involved in the uh like the National Guard and and um, there was uh, so I was I was kind of interested in this in this this idea also of playing of playing um, uh, an, an, an artist model in this case an, an, an old bugler so originally it was going to be a big a big a much larger piece where I showed a young kind of very dashing kind of a uh, painter kind of standing at his easel and I would be kind of prost- prostrate in the, um, on the ground in this sort of abject position of like a, as playing a dead or wounded um, uh, bugler. And uh, in the end, I just, I just decided to kind of represent it from the, from the painter's point of view and only show myself as the, as the model. Um, yeah. So anyways, it's a kind of a war piece, I guess. And, wasn't it based on on there was a painting exactly like that? No, I don't. I, I've copied. There are certain aspects of the of the of the pose and, and and some of the props that I kind of reference from various paintings of the period, but not really. No. Yeah the um, the background the studio itself is so rich, like full of these incredible objects and. Well, like artists in those days, I mean, their studios were kind of like showcases as well they weren't really like contemporary studios because people you know they would entertain clients there and and sometimes so these military painters they would you know they would be showing off all the the um people like like messonnier or whatever they'd be showing off all the props that they had which guaranteed the authenticity of the work etc so there, there, there was much kind of like kind of uh you know what i mean they were kind of always making a show of like uh of the, of the artistry and of like the level of research and uh, 
uh, that was involved in their work. And certain certain painters like Neville would be an example of that, or, or, or Messina. So I was kind of wanted to wanted to kind of have that invoke that kind of feeling as well. Hmm. And you've talked about the the last one we could talk about is the uh, camera shop circa 1937. So you play this kind of affable, um, you know, camera shop store clerk or owner. Tell me yeah. About that. Yeah, that's just that's based on a that actually actually is based on an image that I that I found a little snapshot that I found in uh, Alexander Lamb shop on on Main Street, antique store on Main Street. It's an image that he told me was from. Uh, I can't remember from, uh, oh man, I can't remember now where it's at. Yeah, I was just kind of interested in doing, uh, I, I found this little 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 snapshot and I kind of like the composition of it. And it was very a very tiny little snapshot. It's like literally like a postage stamp size print, which I kind of scrutinized to try to kind of reconstruct what kind of space it was. And it appeared to be like a little tiny, some kind of little basement uh, camera shop set up almost like a little, like a, almost like a little theatrical set with these with these cameras and things. And I thought it had a kind of song, a kind of weird, I don't know, something interesting about it. And, um, yeah, I wanted to make a piece about, in this case, about kind of analog photography, kind of like of yore, I guess, you know. It's kind of like something that's a little bit becoming lost now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a really sleek kind of feel, very stylized and... Like, yeah, I wanted to make it look kind of, it looks a little fake and Hitchcocky. I kind of wanted that feeling as well. Hey, we're back and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. I'm your guest host, Sarah Lapsley, and I am here with Matt Grandland from the Australian Canadian Music Show. So that was our interview with Rodney Graham talking about his show, The Canadian Humorist at the Vague. Um, and so there's a few other pieces, like a film, that we didn't get to talk about. Um, but it's a great film. It's filmed all in green, and it references these sort of avant-garde editing techniques from Russia and sort of toggles back and forth between him smoking a pipe and this overflowing sink full of suds. It has a suspenseful feeling. So definitely worth checking out. It's a great show. Um, and people know Rodney for his art, but they might not be as aware that he is also a very talented musician. He's put out a few albums, um, and he's got a show coming up August 19th at the VAG. He plays with John Collins from The New Pornographers and Dave Carswell, who's known for his studio work. He's also playing with Destroyer right now and drummer Pete Bourne. Um, so we're going to play one of Rodney's songs. Um, he wrote this song. It's called Photokinetoscope for a film. Um of the same name and in the film he takes a hit of pure swiss lsd and films himself as he's high on lsd riding his bike around a park in berlin so here's rodney graham and his song photokinetoscope You're the kind of girl 
fits in with my world You're the kind of girl that fits in with my world You're the kind of girl that fits in with my world I planted one, I planted three. 
Audio Pile is celebrating 10 years of buying and selling the greatest music ever put to wax. Located at 2016 Commercial Drive and open every day from 11 to 7, Audio Pile is celebrating this milestone with their greatest sale ever. Visit Audio Pile on Saturday, July 21st and Sunday, July 22nd for free vegan cupcakes, as well as 25% off all new music and a huge 50% off all used music. It's been 10 years in the making, so don't miss this event. And visit audiopile.com for more music news and info. The Queer Arts Festival in Vancouver is the annual showcase that celebrates queer arts and artists. The festival features a curated visual arts exhibit, a community art show, and three dynamic weeks of cutting-edge performances and workshops from all artistic disciplines, including music, dance, theatre, literary, and media art. This year's theme is Random Acts of Queerness. The festival runs July 31st to August 18th. For more info, visit QueerArtsFestival.com. Sponsored by CITR 101.9 FM. Okay. Thank you for joining us this evening on the Arts Report at CITR 101.9 FM. So why don't we talk about the Vancouver Folk Festival? It's coming up this weekend. CITR is a community sponsored of the event. So it's this weekend, July 13th, 14th and 15th at Jericho Beach Park. I hear the weather's going to be sunny and hot and there are some great bands to check out. So you can see the full schedule at www or www.thefestival.bc.ca. Advanced tickets are available at the Festival box office until Thursday, July 12th at noon. After that, you can purchase tickets at the gate. Um, follow them on Twitter at Van Folkfest. There are tons of amazing artists, workshops, so definitely check out the website. And I'm here with Matt. Thank you very much, Matt, for helping me. You've had a look at the festival schedule, so... Why don't you talk about things that look interesting to you? Sure. Um, geez, I mean, there's so much. It looks interesting. Yeah. I've never been before. I've lived in Vancouver for a few years. Um, this is my first time. Uh, Jeff Burner, I'm excited about. He's a local hero. Um, but I thought I'd really look up a couple of uh, interesting acts from overseas uh, that have a real kind of uh, human rights uh, protest uh, song kind of vibe to them. Um, to, to think, I mean, how did these people end up here? Uh, I'm talking about Kanan. Uh, he's an artist from Somalia. And then Emil Mathluthi, Mathlusi. She is a female singer from Tunisia. Um, and they both have some very interesting stories uh, around how they ended up in the music world and then here in North America. Uh, so Kanan, um, we actually have all heard this guy. He was the guy who did that big single wave and flag which was coca-cola's promotional anthem for the 2010 fifa world cup um anyway it was this i know it yeah yeah and and that's the sort of i won't sing it but yeah maybe i shouldn't know it's the sort of thing that i just block out because it's everywhere but i you know looking into the guy's story is incredible he grew up in somalia a child in war-torn mogadishu uh, and he narrowly ex- escaped death at age 11. And those experiences, of course, drove him into his art. Um, and uh, amazingly, he became friends with a Canadian promoter named Sol Guy, who helped him secure a speaking engagement before the UN High Commissioner for Refugees in 1999. So he stood up in front of all these officials and did a spoken word piece criticizing the UN for its failed a- aid missions to Somalia. Um, and funnily enough, uh, Senghalese singer Yusou Nador was in the audience as well, terribly impressed. 
and hooked him up uh, immediately to start performing and recording an album uh, that snowballed into where he's at now. He's played the Jazz Fest in Montreal, Halifax, Pop Explosion. Um, wow, interesting, interesting guy. So he's a hip-hop artist, Somalian hip-hop, at, Jazz Fe- uh, at Vancouver Folk Fest on the weekend. Uh, and secondly, following the theme of, um, you know, battling against the odds in a, in a foreign culture that's not aligned with um, maybe much of who you are, is Emil Mathlusi. She is a Tunisian protest singer, and she's most well-known for her song Kelmeti Hora, H-O-R-R-A, um, which means uh, my word is free. So this was actually the big theme song for the Arab Spring Revolutionary Uprising uh, just a couple of years ago. Uh, she began her artistic career at age eight uh, in Tunisia, uh, eventually uh, formed a band in her 20s, and her friends encouraged her, encouraged her, write some lyrics, um, get into your own stuff. Uh, and then in 2007, uh, she, uh, well, she eventually um, moved to Paris because uh, in Tunisia she faced all sorts of blockages to what she was doing. She was threatened uh, because of her activities with student unions. So she had no, no radio play or TV access. They just shut this woman down because she was an outspoken woman in this culture. She moved to Paris, France, met a whole different scene of people and has blossomed. And so during the Arab uh, Spring Uprising, uh, she did this radio special and everyone was blown away by this protest song and tweeted the, the hell out of it everywhere. And eventually this song became the unofficial anthem of, of this incredibly world-changing moment. So again, here's an, a fascinating human being who's going to be right here in the city uh, this weekend at Vancouver Folk Fest. Uh, so Kanan from Somalia, the hip-hop, hip-hop artist, and Emil Mathusi from Tunisia. Wow, thanks, man. That's great. Yeah, there's quite a diversity of artists from local people to, you know, like protest people from internationally. Um, and one of the bands that jumped out at me was Chatham County Line. Um, so this is from the website, but they are sometimes called the Beatles of Bluegrass. Mm. They're from Raleigh, North Carolina. They're a quartet that fuses old-time mountain music bluegrass with a love of traditional and ever-evolving American handmade music. I'm not sure what handmade music is but they're formed out of the non-traditional mold of rock and roll they create original songs inspired by the southern rural experience Hmm. with stellar songwriting harmony heavy tunes and strong string picking their live performances are where it all comes together as four guys in dapper matching suits and skinny ties quote unquote work a single mic in a classic bluegrass ballet so check them out online i'm not gonna lie to you they're cute Dave, John, Chandler, and Greg, and they sing very nicely. Their new album is called Sight and Sound, and it came out July 10th. So you can check out their website, www.chathamcountyline.com. They're playing Vancouver as part of their West Coast tour. Um, I tried to get an interview with them, um, but they're on vacation or something. Um, But I still wanted to play one of their songs and give you a taste of what you can expect from Chatham County Line at the Folk Festival. They're playing Saturday, July 14th at 4 p.m. on Stage 2. And here is their song, and it's called The Carolinian.
Head on to Carolinian, heading south from D.C. Says he've got himself peaked at a sea. Just smiled and said, Richmond, when asked where she was been. Begin to wish my life away when I'm born in that town. Talked a little bit and then she smiled us all down in her eyes. She wasn't just beautiful, she was kind and she was wise. But a woman down in Raleigh would soon have my son. So waited for a station like a bullet from a gun. She didn't reach me with my heart. Train reached the station, she looked me in the eye. Said, Come with me to Richmond and we'll start a brand new life. You know that moment still weighs on my mind. Cause it took my body to Raleigh, left my heart behind. She's in Richmond with my So while I'm bound for Carolina, she's in Richmond with my heart. Son is grown up to my hand and he fills me with pride. I take him down to the station to watch the trains roll by. But that northbound Carolinian always makes the teardrop stop. Cause it's headed up to Virginia where I left my home. She's in Richmond with my that was great that was chatham county line from north carolina they'll be playing the vancouver folk festival this coming saturday july 14th 
So check out everything the Folk, has, Folk Fest has to offer at www.thefestival.bc.ca. So CITR is a community sponsor of the event. We've got a booth there. It's going to be behind stage three. We're live broadcasting some of the film fest, uh, folk festival and doing various shout outs and so on. Megan, who's our regular Arts Report host, S, will be um, there Friday and Sunday night. So drop by the CITR booth and say hello and hang out with them and us if we're there. I'm Sarah Lapsley with my friend and co-host Matt Granland. We're your Arts Report guest hosts on the best campus radio station in the known universe. That's CITR 101.9 FM. So stay tuned. We've got David Wisdom coming up. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. Australia and Canada are both countries with a whole lot of space to create some of the wildest sounds on the planet. Join your host Matthew as he explores the musical heritage of his native Australia and features fresh sounds from Canada's independent music world. That's Stranded, the Australian-Canadian music show, live Fridays from 6 to 7.30pm on CITR 101.9 FM. Hi again, this is Sarah Lapsley on CITR. Um, David Wisdom is just a fantastic guy. He's had an illustrious career in radio. He hosted the music programs Nightlines, Radio Sonic, Radio On, and Pearls of Wisdom on CI- or CBC Radio 2. So he was like, on the radio, just one of the biggest Canadian broadcasters for 30 years. He's been called the Canadian equivalent of John Peel. Since his retirement in 2007, he's exhibited as a photo media artist. Um, he also played in the seminal punk band The U-Jerks with Rodney Graham, who we just heard from, and he's got lots of stories from the era. Um, so he puts on legendary slideshows, and they're always packed, and he plays music and tells stories as he shows his slides, and they're just wonderful and poignant and humorous. He's a great storyteller. Um, and so he's got a summer slideshow coming up, on july 22nd it's a sunday evening at the vancouver art gallery so we've got a great interview with him we're gonna play now he's just really fun to interview because he knows how to talk on the radio and so i just asked him a few questions and we had this nice chat this afternoon for 30 years but i'd always taken photographs and uh, after um leaving cbc I had some time, and so I thought, well, I'm going to take a look at the slides I took uh, years ago in the 60s and 70s, and 
and uh, have a look at them. And uh, when I looked at them again, I thought, well, these are pretty good. And uh, so I scanned all my slides um, so that they, I could use them digitally. And uh, Simon Fraser University uh, Art Gallery, a guy named Bill Jeffries, who's the uh, guy who runs the galleries there, approached me and said, do you want to do a show? And I did a show of, um, at the Simon Fraser Gallery downtown of um, old photographs um, of Vancouver in the 70s. And uh, they were in frames, obviously, and uh, on a wall. And I said, well, I'm thrilled to have these pictures up on the wall, but what I really want to do are slideshows, because that's how I kind of started and uh, showing pictures, and that's kind of what I like to do best, slideshows. And uh, so they uh, let me do some, and um, uh, I, uh, the idea of the slideshow is uh, something that, you know, you're used to from, uh, you know, like families have slideshows of really dull vacations in their living rooms, and everybody's forced to watch them, and it's kind of a miserable process, but um, not the ones we do. Um, I sort of just took the idea of, of slideshows um, and uh, sort of, you know, used real artists and uh, real photographers uh, who um, could put things together, uh, mostly put set slides to music, and uh, I've had some events. Uh, I had one um, in that park, um, was that McLean Park? In the... Strathcona um, and uh, other ones that are inside had some shows at the art gallery last year and have two shows at the art gallery this summer, which I hope people will turn out for. Mm -hmm. So how do you choose them to put together for a show? And then you also sort of tell stories around them as well. Well, you know, the, the thing about slides uh, is is it's, it's not just one picture, then one picture, then one picture. It's it's the uh, collective experience, and uh, you know the the, uh, the movement from picture to picture to, uh, obviously adds a, a dimension to the pictures that you, you know you don't have when they're just stuck on a wall somewhere. And so I've done you know I've done I've done pictures of you know um, that are kind of a documentary kind of pictures of particular places. I always try to inject a sort of humor into pictures. Uh, the big slideshow I did last year was called 100 Slideshows in Alphabetical Order. And it was, uh, um, every slideshow was three slides long. Every slideshow had a different piece of music that it was set to. Uh, but it all, you know, put together took about 20 minutes to show. And they were 100, uh, basically 100 very short slideshows on completely different topics and uh, you, you sort of have you figure out the topic as you see it uh, but uh, three is an important number to me obviously it, it's a good number uh, a lot of jokes are uh, come in threes and um, a lot of theories come in threes and uh, I, I, I like the idea of, of, of three slides um, telling a little story and uh, so that's one particular thing I've done. Of course, I've done all different other kinds of things. Um, this year, uh, um, the next the next slideshow at the gallery, um, July 22nd, Sunday night, uh, July 22nd, though, there'll be um, 
other artists showing slides, including our pal Neil Wedman, uh, who's actually showing a movie. I'll, you know, I, it's, it's kind of, he's kind of cheating, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's what artists do. Um, Glenn Lewis, who's a, a, a senior artist and has been around uh, um, uh, since the '60s doing art. Um, um, one of our great artists of Vancouver is is uh, doing something about uh, gardens. Uh, Lise Lemieux, who's uh, a, a woman I've known for years, is uh, showing uh, pictures uh, she's taken, and uh, a woman I've never met yet, haven't met yet, Jenny Lee Margoman. I don't know if you know her, but uh, she's very young, and I've saw her slides online, pictures online, and uh, it's going to be cool. Got a guy named Matt Savage who uh, drives a motorcycle, really cool motorcycle, young guy. Um, great pictures and he's going to show some a guy named mike grill who's uh not that young but he's certainly not that old either sort of in the middle and uh, it's been around for some time and had several shows will show uh pictures and a woman named eden vaudry who's new to town um will be showing something as well and that's the that's the one that's on uh, july 22nd and there's also a band afterwards there is a band and uh, who's in the, the band, band? Uh, the band on July 22nd is my son, Nick Wisdom, who has a, rec- has a recording company called Jellyfish Recordings. And it's him and another guy, and the other guy's name, it, it, he goes by a name that's not like his real name. I forget what his name is. But anyway, it's Nick Wisdom and his friend from Jellyfish Recordings um, laying down some beats. Uh, that'll be after the slideshow, and uh, there'll also be a bar. So I, I think that covers all the basic and necessary human needs. Music, you know, something to drink, something to look at, and uh, be very entertaining. And that's, that's the one that's coming up a week Sunday. Mm. And the one on August 19th, uh, completely different um, artists. And uh, the music will be provided by the Rodney Graham Band. I'm sure a lot of uh, people know about them and have heard them. And... Uh, Rodney's an old friend and uh, well, love his music, and uh, that, that'll be the music uh, in August. Oh, great. Well, speaking of Rodney, one of the um, shows that I remember that you did, you showed photographs of being a young man growing up with people like Rodney and Jeff Wall. Um, and you now I recall that you lived with Ginger Baker in the 70s in London. Is that true? Well, I didn't live with him, but we stayed. We stayed at his house. Uh, he he came through. Um, he was the drummer in the band Cream, and uh, they, the Cream came to town, and somehow or other, he came over to my house. Uh, Ginger did, and uh, and he was uh, he was kind of tired of touring and uh, tired of the whole thing, and uh, he actually stayed at our house in Vancouver. Uh, where in Jeff and uh, Jeff, Jeff Wall and Jeanette were living as well at the same time, and and uh, he he stayed at our house and uh, didn't miss any gigs, but he almost did because he was having such a good time. Uh, he was he's a real nice guy, um, um, older than me, but um, you know I thought he was a great musician. I loved Cream at the time, and he said, "Why don't you come over and stay with me next time you're in London?" And uh, we said, okay, we're coming. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think he expected that, but we were there in a few months' time, and we stayed at his house in London. And uh, I haven't 
I haven't talked to him for years and years, but he's a cool guy. Oh. For sure. Yeah, and you took some photos of him, is that right? If I recall correctly? I got a few. Uh, oh, I, I know, you're talking about that um, slideshow I did during the Olympics. Um, down, um, uh, uh, there was a, a place called the Kandahar Bar on Granville Island. Yeah. Were you at that one? Yes, that's right, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. I did show pictures of Ginger Baker's house at that time. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was supposed to be about London in the 60s. And so uh, that was um, that was that uh, that particular um, little show, but I don't have you know I don't have a I don't have a whole lot of pictures of rock stars, not really. Mm-hmm. Didn't pictures you have of Rodney Graham? But <laughs> Didn't you have one of lot. Susan Jacks in a bikini? Did you take that one? <laughs> no, I wish I did. Or because you showed it at your kind of ladies' show, your I private gentlemen's show. No, I never. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that was somebody else. Okay, uh, somebody else. <laughs> Maybe it was somebody who looked like Susan Jackson, a bikini. Okay. Um, A fur bikini, probably. Yeah, right. Um, So you've taken photographs of Vancouver in the 70s Mm. and so on, but you've also taken a lot of road trip photos, which I really like. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah, I used to drive a lot lot, um, in the 70s and 80s down to California and back along the coast, and I love that drive, and actually did it again this um the last march and uh i took hundreds and hundreds of pictures and um oh, a lot of really good ones and uh uh so yeah whenever that's uh, that's what i like to do i like to uh when when i go go on a trip i like to shop take pictures drive around eat stuff like that yeah that's, that's always great. take pictures well, thank you, David, so much for your time, and I look forward to seeing your slideshow on July 22nd. Thank you very much for talking to me, Sarah, and I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, good. Take care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that was great to talk to David Wisdom. So don't miss his summer night slides on Sunday, July 22nd at the Vancouver Art Gallery. And he's got another slideshow on August 19th. Um, So you can see the events page at www.vanartgallery.bc.ca. So we've got a few announcements about things coming up. I'm a huge fan of early music, and we're very fortunate to have a great early music society here in Vancouver. So they've got their summer music festival starting soon. They are presenting seven seven performances over the next five weeks. So the first one is on July 29th. It's called Love Sick, music from Monteverdi's time. So in 1632, Monteverdi said, Let the glance strike me, but let the laughter heal me. So what you can expect from this performance is, quote, a stunning recital exploring the twin concepts of lovesickness and healing. So that sounds nice. Also on August 5th is the Quicksilver Ensemble, and they'll be playing the early moderns, extravagant and inventive music of the 17th century. And that's them playing in the background. Um, Both of those recitals are at the Roy Barnett Recital Hall at the UBC School of Music. And you can get details on all the Early Music Summer Festival recitals at www.earlymusic.bc.ca. So another thing I wanted to let you know about is the Frames of Mind series. So it's a a monthly film event that utilizes film and video to promote professional and community education 
on issues pertaining to mental health and illness. That sounds kind of dry, but they actually show really fantastic films. I've seen some good stuff there, things you wouldn't normally see um, that are related to the human psyche. And um, they're moderated by Dr. Harry Karlinski. He's a psychiatrist here at UBC. And they often have guest speakers as well. So if they do a film about autism, they have an expert in autism. All the screenings are held at the Pacific Cinematheque at 1131 Howe Street, Vancouver. And they are all the films from the Frames of Mind series are held on the third Wednesday of each month. Um, so you can check them out on Facebook and stay abreast of their series um, at www.framesofmind.ca so upcoming this month is uh, Wednesday July 18th at 7.30pm it's a Norwegian film and it was a foreign film uh, Oscar nominee in 2002 and one of Norway's highest grossing movies of all time it's called Elling and they liken it to the odd couple comedy um, it's got an interesting twist so Felix and Oscar's Norse counterparts are both outpatients from a state run mental health facility deeply neurotic 40 year old Elling is sent to the facility after his mother's death and there he meets his roommate Kajel Bjarn who's a lumbering gentle giant with two things on his mind food and sex and he's still a virgin at 40 so you definitely don't want to miss that uh, a the Pacific Cinematheque Wednesday July 18th so that's the frames of mind of film series every third Wednesday and so uh yeah I'm Peter Mansbridge, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of Indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily, at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. Okay, we're back at CITR 101.9 FM. We've just got a few minutes left, and I wanted to talk about what's going on at the Museum of Anthropology on the UBC campus. It is the most beautiful place on earth as far as I am concerned. And from now until September is Kesu, the art and life of Doug Cramner. So I've always been a big fan of Northwest Coast art, and when I came into the show, like, I just felt like my heart was pounding. I felt totally electrified. Um, even though the works are quite traditional and their selection of carvings and wall panelings and masks, um, bentwood boxes and so on, um, there was a cedar totem pole of a mosquito, which was the centerpiece of the show, which was very unusual. But the objects were traditional, but what struck me was the impression of the artist himself and his essence sort of permeates the show and leaves you feeling like you're in the presence of this great person. Um, just a fascinating guy. He was born in Alert Bay in 1927, and his ceremonial name was Kesu, which means wealth being carved. His father was a hereditary chief, 
And uh, Doug then inherited this role as chief. And in this role, he held potlatches and danced in ceremonies. And in the book that goes along with the exhibition, um, they have photos of him in his ceremonial garb. And it's really amazing. But he, but Doug also had this urbane quality as well. And he was sort of a modern 50s and 60s guy, like to hang out downtown Vancouver, very fashionable. And I think the legacy he left was as a mentor and teacher to other artists. So he never championed his own work and his philosophy was like, if you're good at something, people will know, like you don't have to tell them. And he was known as a contrarian. So he hated being boxed and labeled. And even though he was often, you know, called an artist and a master, he in particular hated those two labels because he felt like it would make him complacent. Um, so his inspirations, he said, were play and experimentation, and those were his, you know, the process that he brought to his art. And um, the people, he was well-loved, and the people that are interviewed um, about him describe him as delightful, warped, wicked, and mischievous, and a straight shooter. And his sort of wicked mischievousness comes across in his unusual choice of animal totems, so the mink and the mosquito versus the traditional kind of bear, eagle, salmon, ravens, etc. Um, he was quiet, nonverbal, but he was self-confident in his own talent. So the show, like, includes photographs of him and his studio, quotes and reminiscences from his students. So you really get a sense of the artistic power of this great British Columbia artist. Um, ultimately, the show is really about him, the man, uh, rather than the work itself, as at least that's how I took it. His spirit is really there. I just responded so viscerally to that. Much of the information that I just shared with you comes from the book about the exhibition. It's a collection of essays and photographs, and it's got some great history of Aboriginal life in the early 20th century, and it's written by the curator of the show. Her name is Jennifer Kramer. So you have the rest of the summer to see Kesu, The Life and Art of Doug Cramner, which runs until September. And also the Visions of Enlightenment show is still running. Um, that's a show about Buddhist art. And I did about a month ago an interview with Robert 